All right, we're going to do some Bible hacking. What's up, y'all? It's Greg. We are going to do some awesome Bible hacking today. I'm going to talk about Matthew 16, pretty well-known passage where Jesus says, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell won't prevail. And spoiler alert, this has nothing to do with the Pope. Let's get it, y'all. So as I said, we're going to be dealing today with Matthew 16. Before we dump, jump into Matthew 16, and we'll read the part that's relevant, um, a couple of things I want to talk about. First one is context. And there's a couple of different aspects to context. Obviously, context, when reading, well, context in general, means reading everything around the scripture. So the before and the after, like the, the verses before and sometimes the verses after. So you can get a feel as to what was happening in the story. Why is that important? And we'll probably do, as a matter of fact, I know for sure I'm going to do a video just on context. But you, if you take, it's very easy to take things out of context. And the Bible, it's because of the nature of it and what it's talking about, God. Um, it, it's often the, the, the target of things being taken out of context, sometimes with bad intent, sometimes just in accidentally because, you know, we're not reading it properly. So that's one aspect of context. The other aspect of context, which is not as often thought about, is what's called the cognitive environment, or in our case, the ancient cognitive environment. And what that means is, that's a reflection of the author of the Bible, of the, the part we're reading, whatever part that might be, wrote to communicate with their audience. Why? Because that's the way communication works. You would never write something that you know your audience can't understand. So don't ever, I would encourage you to not read the Bible as if it was written, you know, by God, it was written by God. Don't misunderstand me. The Bible is inspired and it's unerrant. No two ways about that. But don't read the Bible as if it was written by God giving some guy a brain dump and him just, you know, waking up in a trance and spewing out a bunch of writing, automatic writing style. That is not how the Bible was written. It was written to its audience and we can gain knowledge from it as well. So getting into the head of the audience can expose parts of the scripture that if we don't take the time to get into the ancient cognitive environment, we're going to completely miss things. We'll, we'll get a lot of it, but oftentimes we'll miss big, big, big parts of it. So let's dive straight in and we're going to read um, Matthew chapter 16 and we're going to start at, um, let's say, verse 17. Sorry, verse 13. Peter's confession at Caesarea Philippi. Now, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, um, he began asking his disciples, saying, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ. 
son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to them, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And upon this rock, and oops, sorry, I switched away too quickly. Uh, I'm doing this by myself, so don't expect super smooth transitions, etc. Um, my Father who is in heaven revealed this to you. And I will also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell, will Hades, will not overpower it. Read that part again. And I say to you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overpower it. So that's the scripture. That's what I wanted to read. Um, and now let's actually dig into it. Like what is happening here? Well, a couple of interesting points. First one, context, ancient reader context, is um, the location. So verse said this very explicitly, you know, when they got to the region of Caesarea Philippi. Why is that um, relevant? And I'll read another, uh, as a matter of fact, let me put the Bible verse back up and I'm going to read something from you, for you, description of Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi, a city, this is from the, um, the encyclopedia, the International Standard Encyclopedia of the Bible. Caesarea Philippi is a city at the southwest base of Mount Hermon on a rocky terrace. Um, it's above sea level, and it's the main source of the Jordan River. The site is important for strategic nature, since it's guarded the fertile plain to the west, a nearby cave from which one of the springs feeding the Jordan emerged, this is key, also housed a shrine in antiquity back in Joshua's time, which may have been dedicated to rites of Baal God or Baal Hermon in Old Testament times. Greek settlers in the area dedicated the same shrine to Pan and the Nymphs. And the New Testament times, the name of this cave was Peneus. Like if you go there today still, it is called Peneus. So that is the region of Caesarea Philippi. Why is that important? Key thing is from the encyclopedia, this was a rocky area. And if you Google it, you look up pictures, like it's very clearly rocky. Um, and the, the, the whole goddess of Pan, or God, sorry, of Pan, was a half goat, half man. So you've seen images of this before. It's oftentimes what we think of when you hear, you know, old school, the devil, you think of this half goat, half man type of a thing. That's the goddess Pan. They worshiped him here in Caesarea Philippi. A couple of other interesting things. This region in the Old Testament was known, so we, we have a couple of key points already. Caesarea Philippi um, has a temple there at Caesarea Philippi. That's the center piece of the town. If you go there today, you'll still see it, where they worshiped Pan. In the Old Testament, at that same temple, so it's in a cave and there's like a, inside the cave, there's a, uh, it's a, in a rocky mountain and inside the cave, um, there's a, a hole that's really deep and there's water coming up out of it. Why? Because it's right by the base of the mountain called Mount Hermon. If you've read anything in the Old Testament, you, that name may sound familiar and we'll get into Mount Hermon in a minute, but it's one of the tallest mountains in Israel, if not the tallest mountain, I'm not sure. But for most of the year, it's snow capped. So that snow melts, fills up this cave, and that water feeds the, the Jordan River. So this is one of the places Jesus hung out. Interesting note, this was enemy territory. This was not, 
you know, friendly Israelite Jewish territory. This was the other side of the Sea of Galilee. You can pull it up on a map. It's the eastern side. Um, it is not considered friendly territory. This was Gentile territory. Um, this was not near, but on the same side of the Jordan where Jesus cast out legion into a bunch of pigs. Why were there pigs there? Because this was Gentile territory. So this side of the Jordan was Gentile. So Caesarea Philippi is there and there's a temple where they do, you know, this type of worship. That cave, well, we already said they worship Baal there in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, they worship Pan. That cave was in that time period called the Gates of Hell. Sound familiar? Anyway, we ain't even there yet. But this is the ancient literary context of what a reader in that time, when they hear Jesus pulls up to Caesarea Philippi, this is all coming straight to their mind. They don't need to look this up because they know it. They're like, Caesarea Philippi, and I ain't a good place. Go further. Old Testament, Moses' days, and I think this battle happened in Numbers, or at least a part of it is written in Numbers. Moses and the children of Israel coming out of Egypt had to battle a king called Og, king of Bashan. This Bashan region was also up here in this part of the, so this is the same region. Furthermore, Book of Enoch, and Enoch is not canon, I'm not, we're not, we'll talk about that another time maybe, documented that the Genesis 6 rebellion, where angels came down and commingled with man and they created a, a, a offspring that were giants, men of, men of renown, and they were, you know, tech conquerors. Enoch, one, documents that those angels, fallen angels, watchers, came down on Mount Hermon because it was the tallest mountain. So that whole region, Bashan, Og, Mount Hermon, um, Caesarea Philippi, that whole region is well known to Israelites that this was a bad region. It was a region where evil happened. I'll go even further. Um, the tribe of Dan, which was, you know, if you know your Old Testament history again, that's not a good tribe. There's been some speculation that maybe the Antichrist, and this is eschatology to wear, but maybe the Antichrist might come from the tribe of Dan because that's how bad Dan was. Dan was known, they're one of the 12 tribes, they were known for, you know, worshiping false gods, etc., etc. They were right up in this area, this part, the northeastern part of Israel as well. So, bad area geographically shady, like not a friendly place, um, and like I said, called the gates of hell. So that is context number one. Let's dump, jump into context number two. Context number two requires us to understand the language. So let's look at the language a little bit as to what's happening here. Again, got my Greek Hebrew interlinear Bible here where you can see the English, um, you know, verse um, um, 18 right there. And also I say to thee, thou art Peter and upon this rock, um, I will build my assembly and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Let's talk about that for a minute. Part one, thou art Peter. The word here is Peter or stone. It's Petros. So that word is Petros. In English, it says, thou art Peter and on this rock. And you may have heard, um, you know, Peter is the rock on which, um, you know, the, the, the temple is built. But I need you to see something. When you dig into the original language, Greek in this case, which is what it was written in, um, Jesus spoke Aramaic more than likely, but this was written in Greek. 
The author chose to write it this way. Peter, stone, like small stone, you are Peter, and on this rock, and the word they use there is Petra, which stands for rocky ground. You are Peter, and on this rocky ground, I will build my assembly, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Mind blown. So what is Jesus saying there? This is what you call a double entendre. He's saying a double play on words. He's saying, this is, you're Peter. You got the right answer. You got it from God. You ain't taught it up on your own. And on this rock, and there are scholars that have studied this, and they, they, they believe, and we won't know until we go to heaven and ask Jesus, but I, I invite you to play this out in your mind. They believe Jesus came here, because remember Jesus started this whole conversation. Who people say I am, Peter? Jesus started this, and Jesus picked right here to drop this bomb on him and say, you know what? On this rock, where we are standing, because Caesarea Philippi was what? It was on a rocky terrace at the base of Mount Hermon in the area, the region of Bashan, the region known for evil, the region where the evil watchers came down and started their procreation that brought about Noah's flood, like that's where Jesus is standing. And he goes there to make this statement that on this rock, right here, where I'm standing, where you think the gates of hell are, that's where I'm going to build my church. You got to, if that doesn't blow your mind, Jesus left Israeli territory, went into Gentile territory to pick a fight with the powers of darkness at their headquarters to say, FYI, powers of darkness, I am going to build my church here on the Gentiles. Yep, Israel first, because Jesus was Israeli, Jewish, sorry, um, on with Jewish first, but including the Gentiles. This was a part of God's plan from the jump, from Abraham, where he promised Abraham, through you, I'm going to bless all the nations. This was Jesus saying, don't think we've forgotten about this plan. I was there when Yahweh made the promise to Abraham, and I'm here now, and I'm telling you, on this rock, I will build my church. But it gets even better. And I'm going to um, refer back, oops, was on the wrong screen for too long, sorry. I'm going to refer back as well to one other little piece. Um, and I'm reading again now from the international, uh, and this is free, you can get this online. Um, I get it through my logos, but which is just a Bible app. Um, but you can get this for free, the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia. They talk about this little verse, you know, the, the gates of hell. When we read, the gates of hell will not prevail, what do you think? That sounds like, you know, the gates of hell won't prevail. The, they won't be able to successfully attack the church. That is our context. When we read that language, it reads to our minds like the church is going to be able to defend against the gates of hell. Let me break you into what the ancient context read for this. Right, and I'm reading now from the encyclopedia. In the New Testament, the writers of the New Testament were very well acquainted with cities, walls, and gates of their time. And they employed what's called fortification terminology very, very, very sparingly. Matthew, talking about where we just read, recorded the statement of Jesus 
that the powers of death or the gates of hell would not prevail against his church, metaphorically referring to death occupying a fortress city who is under siege and whose downfall was certain. I need you to grasp that. When Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail, to us it sounds like the subject of not prevail is us. Like, you know, we are going to be on defense and the gates of hell are not going to be able to prevail against us. But I need you to understand something. Gates. Do, do gates attack? Gates don't attack. The subject of that sentence is not the gates. The subject of that sentence is God's church, who Jesus said, on this rock, I'm going to make it. So what is he saying? He's saying, on this rock, I'm going to build my church, and my church is going to attack the gates of hell. And the gates of hell will not be able to defend. So this is not about us being cowering in a corner on defense. This is about the gates of hell being on defense. And they got a sh they're kind of shook because they know their time is coming to an end. And they know we can't withstand this attack. It's too big for us. That is what the context does to you. So I'm going to close now. Um, very, very interesting that this came up. This, and I hope this encourages you. This actually came up, this whole, you know, video and the idea for it in my studies, because my wife and I have been, um, we're kind of walking our 12-year-old daughter through the whole meta-narrative of the Bible. And like, don't underestimate your kids, y'all. Um, they are extremely intelligent. We've been bringing our, da our daughter through the, 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 like I said, the whole meta-narrative. We started, we're in Genesis right now, talking about, you know, the Edenic promise and the, the, Noah, the, 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 the covenant made with Noah and the covenant made with Abraham. And she gets it. Like, things that I didn't even notice, she gets them right on the jump. You know why? A, kids are more intelligent than we give them credit for. And B, um, kids are not biased with our bias. Like, I have a lot of tradition, we mentioned that, that's pumped into my head based on what I've been taught about the Bible and what to expect. She doesn't, she's not burdened with that. So when she reads the text, certain things jump out to her and we don't even need to explain it to her. So I encourage you to train your children up. And I'm saying that to say, I believe we need to raise up a generation, the next generation, of children that can exegete and study and interpret and understand scripture well, because they need to be able to defend against false teaching, false doctrine, infiltration of the satanic ideas into the church. They need to be able to defend against it. And that is how the gates of hell will not be able to withstand the church's attack. So hope this was encouraging to you. This was Bible hacking. I'm uh, going to do a, tons more videos. I'm looking forward to linking up with you again soon. Um, you know, the normal stuff. You like, subscribe, etc., etc. Um, I'm Greg. Um, be blessed.